This is Nova Church Halifax, where we love God and love people. Tune in as Pastor Mike Miller teaches from God's Word and how we can have a Nova life, a new life. Good morning, church. Thank you for that one person in the back that had caffeine this morning. I said, good morning, church. Ah, that's my church. That's our church. I spent the first half of the week in uh, Ontario. Uh, Okay. So I had an Ontario joke to follow that, but apparently we're not going to do that now. Uh, But I will say that I was doing two conferences in Niagara Falls uh, area, and I will never complain about Halifax traffic again. QEW 400 series high. I spent more time in traffic. I was parked. I don't know why they call it. It's, it was a parking lot is what it was. It wasn't a highway. It was a parking lot. But I was like, I am so thankful for Halifax, and it is good to be home. How many are thankful today for living in Halifax? Anybody? Uh, who scraped their window this morning? How many just started their car an hour early like I did and just let it go? All right. Where are the people that used to use tape cassettes to scrape their window? Remember, I miss cassettes for that one reason. I'm never prepared with scrapers. If you have your Bible today, turn to Matthew chapter 16. Uh, I encourage you to bring a Bible to church, whether it be a digital Bible, an iPhone, or an iPad, or a real Bible. Uh, I'm a tech guy, but I just love something about hearing the pages turn. I love underlining my Bible. If you're single in this place and you're ready to mingle, uh, one thing I would recommend is go find someone with a marked up Bible. That's how you know they're going to be a good wife or good husband. I can't prove that, but just that's what you need to look for. Look for someone with a Bible. Listen, if their Bible's messed up, their life probably isn't. Just think about that. If their, life, if their Bible's messed up and worked in and underlined and highlighted, it probably means their life is not messed up, jacked up. Come on, somebody. Uh, bring your Bible to church. Matthew chapter 16. We're going to read in uh, the NIV version. I think we can have it on the screen behind me today. Maybe we can read this together. It says this. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? I want to let you know that. People have an opinion on Jesus. He was asking, he says, who do people say that I am? He's hanging out with his, his small group, uh, his, his closest friends. He's like, listen, you guys have been around. You've heard, the, you've heard the chatter. Who do people say that I am? And they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, still others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets from the past. Then Jesus says, but what about you, he asked. Who do you say that I am? I just want to remind you that Jesus is still asking this question. You know, the world has an opinion on who Jesus is. Uh, the, the music industry, literature, politics, the coffee shops, people have an opinion on who Jesus is, and that's fine. But at some point, we all have to ask, answer for ourselves, who is Jesus to you? He says, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. For this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood or Facebook or Twitter, but by, I added that part in, by the way, uh, but by my Father who is in heaven. And I tell, you that, I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock, and that rock is the truth, it wasn't Peter, but on this rock of truth that I am the Son of God, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades, or other versions say the gates of hell, will not overcome it. Today we've been in a series for, uh, since August, um, and we're concluding it next week on the kingdom of God, the kingdom, heaven on earth. The Bible said, Jesus said, when we're praying, pray, uh, my will, uh, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth 
as it is in heaven. We're talking about the kingdom of God, our, our part in it, what it looks like, the power of it. And today we're, we're continuing our series today on the kingdom of God. If you're writing down notes today, I would encourage you to write down notes somewhere. This is your title today. I want you to think about on a mission, on a mission, the kingdom of God. We are on a, look at your neighbor and say, we're on a mission. Look at your other neighbor and say, I hate when he does that. All right. Can we pray today? Let's pray. God, I thank you for this morning. God, I thank you for this beautiful church and these beautiful people. Father, I thank you for those that are new, that trusted uh, enough to come today. We pray that they would have an amazing time. God, we thank you for those that called this home. We're thankful for the diversity that makes us stronger. We thank you for what you're doing in our city and our lives. And we pray today that our goal is clear, that God, we would not just go through a few minutes of information But God, I'm asking again, like I ask every week, that we would leave here transformed. God, just as we read, even during the offering, that lives would be changed. I'm asking that my life would be changed. I don't want to be the same as I was last year. God, I want to be changed. And we're asking that we'd leave here more like you, more in love with you, and more passionate about your plan for our lives, for our families, for our city, and for our church. God, thank you. Thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Let me ask you a question this morning. You ever get something in your mind, um, you thought you had it understood, you thought you had a picture of it, you thought you knew what to expect, but you were completely wrong? Every guy in the room is like, what? You, I'm talking to you men, right? Like, you had an idea of what you thought something was going to be like, and when you get into it, it's like, this is not what I expected. It's completely different when I expected childbirth was that for me. I had a picture, I had, I had an expectation of what that experience was going to be like for my wife and I, and it was completely different in real life. See, I grew up watching TV. I grew up watching shows like Who's the Boss? Come on, somebody. Uh, Facts of Life. I mean, the Cosbys. Where are my people at? I watched, I watched um, uh, what was it called on Friday night? All the shows on Friday night. TGIF. I remember Stephen Urkel. Did I do that? Come on. Um, what was Danny Tanner and what was that called? Full House. Right, the part two, right? When Becky goes to jail and it's called the big house, right? All right. Okay. All right. All right. Tough crowd. Have mercy. All right. But I, 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 I grew up watching TV and if you ever watch childbirth on TV, right? You ever see this? Someone goes in the hospital like, and, and, and then like five minutes later, the baby's born. Um, their hair is perfect, they're glistening with a little bit of sweat, uh, everybody's happy, the baby comes out, it's four, right, it's walking, uh, it, full head of hair, right, that is not what childbirth was like, completely different, completely different, I, I, I remember uh, going in there and, and I, I thought it was just, my role was just to do the breathing, in the shows it was, that's all I had to do, hold my wife's hand, tell her how beautiful she was and just breathe, and we get in there, and the whole thing went sideways. In fact, the, literally, the whole thing went south. And, and this, it was bad. And I remember we get in there, and we get into and things start happening, and there's pain, and there's, there's water flowing, and my wife is screaming at me, and it's, she's in terrible pain. I'm like, just five minutes, baby. It'll only be five minutes, and the TV says it'll all be good. And we'll have flowers, and, it'll, and, and this theme song will come on, and then it'll, it'll be awesome. And we get in there, and 12 hours later... We get in this one room, 
And there's people rushing around, and they're like, you got time, you got time. And my wife's in pain, and they're like, no, no, we got, like, there's stuff has to happen. Things have to change, and things have to widen, and there's a lot of stuff has to go on. And you got time, you got time. And, 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 and my wife said, she's like, I, I can't do this. I'm like, just breathe. And she's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, shh, shh, shh. I'm like, she's what are you doing? I'm, I'm hyperventilating at this point. I'm getting light in the head from breathing so much. I'm breathing for 12 hours like a crazy man, and, and, and all of a sudden I said to the nurse, so is this where all this is going to happen? She goes, what do you mean? I said, is this the room? And we have some birthing nurses in this room. I'm like, no, no, this is just, we go to another room. She goes, didn't you go to the prenatal classes? I'm like, no, we didn't. We skipped them. <laughs> True story. We drive in on Friday nights for prenatal, and we get halfway, and I'd convince my wife that we didn't need them. I'm like, let's go on a date night. We didn't have any kids. Like, let's go for sushi. Let's go for ice cream. Let's go for, and I said, we can always Google it. That's what I thought. We could, the problem is we never actually Googled it. So we skipped all prenatal classes. We get in there and neither, all we have is Steve Urkel and Full House to help us with this. And my wife is like, what is going on? And then at hour 10, she looks at me and the baby's like coming. Joshua's coming and she goes, I'm done. I'm not doing this anymore. Now I'm not a doctor, but I knew we weren't done. I looked at the nurse and she's done. The nurse goes, no, she's not done. I'm like, you're not done. She goes, I'm done. And I'm like, can we be done? She goes, you're not done. And then Josh gets stuck. He gets stuck and they use these salad prongs. I'm like, this was not in Friday night television. This was not a part. I'm just like, babe, just breathe. She was enough with the breathing. She's sucking on gas. She's taking needles. She would take crack at that moment if she could have at that moment. She's in pain. It was traumatic for me. My hand was hurt from the way she was squeezing it, and I knew enough not to tell her that. And uh, Joshua came out, and he had the biggest cone head. And every baby on TV comes out gorgeous. He's gorgeous now, but he was not gorgeous now. Have you seen the movie Alien? When the baby, when the alien, that's more accurate to childbirth. He came out slimy. He had a cone head. I thought, this is not my child. This is an alien. Right? There was slime and stuff. He was crying. He was, he was ugly, right? I'm like, like, I hope he's smart because this kid is ugly. I thought, that head is never going down. I'm like, he's going to have to wear a toque the rest of his life. He had this mark over his eye from the salad prongs. I thought, this is never going back. My wife's like, what does he look like? I'm like, he looks like your brother. You know, I'm like. I was not prepared. And then he, his head went down, and I started believing in miracles even more than ever, and he's a good-looking boy, and, and we had another kid, but it was not what I expected. You know what's amazing? I think a lot of people have the wrong idea and expectation of the kingdom of God. Like, we have this idea of the kingdom of God and even church, its mission, and people have this idea of church. Like, maybe some of you haven't been in church in a while. Maybe you're, you're the Easter Christmas crowd, and we missed you. We're glad you're back. And, uh, but maybe you just come once in a while. Or maybe, maybe you grew up in church, but people have this expectation, this, 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 this vivid image, this, 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 what they're expecting and living in church. And I think we have it wrong. And I've learned this is that really what you expect determines your behavior. If I had known what childbirth was going to be like, I would have went to those classes. I would have knew what room we were supposed to be in. I would have knew what my role was. I would have knew how I could help my wife. Because my expectation was off, my behavior didn't line up. And I think sometimes in the kingdom of God, we, we don't have the right expectation. I, I wrote this down. What does the average person think of church? Maybe I'm wrong. 
This is what the average person thinks of church. If, if you ask someone walking into Costco today and you said, what, 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 what's, what's church? I think they'd say this, generally harmless people, a part of a slowly dying gathering that's irrelevant, on Sunday mornings mostly, that quietly sing old songs and hear from an out-of-date book. I think that's pretty accurate. That's why they're thinking, I don't need to be a part of the kingdom of God. Church, I don't need to be a part. Because it's, it's irrelevant, it's dying, it's a bunch of people singing quiet old songs and reading from an old book that has no purpose in my life. Why would I want to be a part of a kingdom of God or church, and why would I want God in my life? See, in Matthew chapter 18, 16, we read it today, I love one part of this verse. We can put up verse 18 if you have that. It would be awesome. It says, And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades, or the gates of hell, will not overcome it. That verse scared me as a kid. I remember being terrified of the gates of hell. Like, I remember thinking, like, the gates of hell were like this haunted thing coming at me. Like, like on my worst day, I was like, ooh, the gates of hell. Because I, I always read that verse, like, the gates of hell will not overcome. Like, God will protect you because the gates of hell are coming for you. My mother prayed for me every day before school, and she always prayed the same thing, a hedge of protection. Any other mothers pray the hedge of protection? I never understood the hedge of protection. Like, like shrubbery is going to keep the devil out, you know? Like, like I, oh, I want to get that mic. I want to get him today in elementary school, but oh. They put shrubbery around him. Of all the things I can't defeat, his shrubbery, you know, a hedge of protection. But I remember being overwhelmed with this thought going, hell is advancing, hell is coming for me. I remember feeling like as a young person going, I'm just trying to hang on like the Alamo. I'm just trying to, I'm just, trying to just keep my last stand because hell is everywhere. The world is being overtaken. Evil is upon us. If I can just withstand, the Bible promises that these gates of hell will not overtake me. And then I had a revelation that gates are a defensive weapon, not an offensive weapon. If you see this, put that verse back up. If you see this differently, when you understand that the gates of hell are not attacking, they are trying to withstand the church. When you read this different, it's not that hell isn't encroaching on us or surrounding us. It's that the church, the kingdom of God, is an offensive mission. We're not on the defensive. We're on the offensive. And because we are taking ground, it says, this church, I'll build my church. And we're going to take ground. We are influential. We are on the move. And because of God's mission for his kingdom and his church, that as we take ground, save lives, rescue people from hopelessness and despair, the gates of hell cannot stand against the church of God. The kingdom of God and his church is a divine force that changes countries, culture, and lives. It's often underestimated but eternally motivated to crush evil and rescue people. We aren't huddled together trying to make it to heaven. We are a move of God on the offensive, taking ground, bringing heaven to everyone in every place. That's the kingdom of God. My friends, I came this morning just to challenge you, to provoke you, to prod you a little bit, to get your expectation up, and to change your mindset of what the kingdom of God is. We are not here on Sunday mornings hiding like the Alamo going, hope we can make it through the week. If I can just get enough God, enough gospel to make it till Wednesday or make it till Saturday, my friends, we are not on the defensive, we are on the offensive. We are eternally minded, and we are taking the good news to rescue people and to crush evil everywhere and every place and every person. We are on the offensive. That's the kingdom of God. God's church does not have a mission. God's mission has a church. There's a difference. 
People say, what's your, what's, your, what's your mission statement? No, 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 no. We are a mission statement. God has a, God's mission has a church. Our church does not have a mission. God's mission has a church. God said, I have a plan to rescue mankind, and I have a plan, and that plan is the church. We are the mission. God's mission is the church. That's his plan, to rescue people. The church was birthed out of a mission, not preference. Too often the church is overrun by consumerism. I've done this. Maybe you've done this. You know, when consumerism, I, I, this, we're getting ready to that season, that most wonderful time of the year when we just buy things. We spend too much money on things and we start shopping and it's at Christmas time. But the malls, you know, we, we, I, I like some retail therapy. I like shopping too. But whenever you buy something, whenever you're a consumer, there's always two factors when you buy something, isn't there? Number one, like whether it be clothes or cars or anything, it's comfort and cost. How does this fit our lives? Does this fit me? Does it, is this comfortable? Does, does this work for me when you're trying something on? You don't want something too big or too small. It's like, does this fit me right? Is it comfortable? The car, if you're a certain size, you think, I need a certain uh, roof. I need some, some head clearance. You need a car that fits you, that's comfortable. And you also need something that costs right. It can't be outside your budget. You have to know you're getting a good deal. You have to feel like you're getting a fair price for services rendered. Consumers are concerned about fit, comfort, and cost. Our culture does this with church. We're trying to find the right church that fits us just right, that, that's comfortable. We, we do this often. Doesn't cost us too much. Like, how much work is it going to be? How much, are they, how much do they talk about money? How much work is it? What are they asking me? Are they getting me to serve too much? You know, what do we call it when people are looking for churches? We call it church gypsies, gypsies yes. That's even better. We call it church shopping. Isn't it interesting we call it church shopping? What do you do? We just moved here. We're looking around. We're just church shopping. Why? Because we have this mentality of consumership going, I want to find a place that fits, a place that, that, that's comfortable, and a place that doesn't cost too much. I want the right amount of services for what it costs me. I'm reminded as I read this book that the, 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 the foundation of the church was not comfort. It was mission. God so loved the world, he gave his son. He said, go into all the world. And he, he had a mission before he had a church. The church was born out of mission, not out of preference. Jesus said, listen, go into all the world and preach the gospel, make disciples. And the Holy Spirit, he's coming. He's going to make you witnesses. And he gave the mission before we had the church. The church was born out of mission, not preference. He gave us the mission, and then he said, okay, how are we going to do this? Let's form a church. Kingdom of God is on a mission. The church is on a mission. Jesus gave us the mission to go, change the world, then launch the church to answer that mission. What does the kingdom with the church on mission look like? I'm so glad you asked. Part of my assignment here is to refocus us and always remind us. I'm, I, I'm, I'm reminded that I don't need to be instructed as much as I need to be reminded in life. I don't need really, I, I'm open to, I'm a student for life. I'm open to learning. But most times I get myself in trouble is where I've not done what I already know. I need to be reminded more than I need to be instructed. Sometimes I just want to remind us of the kingdom of God and its church. That we are on a mission. What does it look like, a church on a mission? Matthew eleven twelve. We're going to jump through our Bible today. And if you can keep up, if not, you'll see on the screen behind me. But there's something about reading the word of God. And we're a church that believes in the word of God. Matthew eleven twelve, And from the time of John the Baptist began preaching until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing. And violent people 
are attacking it. Make no mistake, the kingdom of God is not weak. It's not passive. It's forcefully advancing. You need to notice today, the kingdom of God is advancing. It's advancing. I don't know what statistics you've read. I don't know what stories you've heard. I don't know what conversations you're having around. But the kingdom of God is advancing. The church isn't hiding. It's taking ground. I'm not even talking globally. I'm talking even in Nova Scotia, in Halifax. Deepwater Church, a great church in our city. A few weeks ago, they launched another campus in Dartmouth. They had 400 people show up to their launch in Dartmouth. We're not hiding, we're taking ground. King's Church, King's Halifax, they launched, I believe, two weeks after us. Before we launched and King's launched, people said church plants don't work in Halifax. Churches die in Halifax. Don't try to start something in Halifax. And King's Church is successful. They're growing. They have hundreds of people. They're changing the city. They're impacting lives. And King's Church isn't hiding. It's taking ground. And together with us, we've brought a new faith in church planting. And people are like, I want to come plant a church. I have more people contacting me going, hey, we're planting a church. Can we talk to you? I'm like, we need more. They're like, what if we plant down the street? I'm like, we need more. Aren't you afraid people are going to leave? No, no, no. No, no, we're on a mission. We're not, we have an open hand. We're not afraid of losing people. We're not after the same people. We're trying to help some people. You know, Rock Church in Lower Sackville just went to two services with the goal of making room for more people. We're not hiding. We're taking ground. You know, Cornerstone Wesleyan is launching another campus uh, this year. They're launching, getting ready to launch another campus. Did you know that Groundswell in Truro, in Truro, Truro is running hundreds of people every Sunday, and they just announced their second campus in Enfield. Do you know the largest Wesleyan church in Nova Scotia is not in Halifax, it's in Yarmouth? And Yarmouth Wesleyan Church just launched another church outside of Digby, and they have hundreds showing up every Sunday. And they're close to 1,000 people running in church right now in Yarmouth. They may not have a ferry that's working, but they got God moving. Just down the street from the top of this building, you can see it, St. Benedict's Catholic Church. Father Simon and overseen by Father James Madeline, they're having revival in the Catholic Church. They have thousands showing up on the weekends. Do you know they, pre- they preach Jesus? They, people are filled with the Holy Spirit. They're raising their hands in worship. Do you know they run Alpha, which is all about who Jesus is, his plan, and his Holy Spirit came to help you on this mission, and they are leading the nation, the nation in leading Alpha? He's actually on the, on the international board for Alpha, Father James's, and they're changing the world. God is bigger than you think it is. His church is advancing more than you know it is. Look around what God's doing at Nova. I was just in Ontario, and more people are like, hey, 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 we've been following Nova. How, they know you guys by name. They're following this story. They're cheering us on. God's church is advancing. Matthew 13, 33. What else is the kingdom of God, his church, like? It says this, verse 33, Jesus of Matthew 13, Jesus also used this illustration. The kingdom of heaven is like the yeast a woman used in making bread. Even though she put only a little yeast in three measures of flour, it permeated or it influenced every part of the dough. I want to remind you today, his church is influential. The kingdom of God is one of influence. An album dropped this week by Kanye West talking to my young people now. Jesus is king. Some of you don't know who Kanye West is, but he's the, probably the most controversial, if not the most successful hip-hop uh, rapper in the last 15 years, known for uh, politics and fashion and music and, and his family, and there's a lot. He is a culture maker and shaper, 
known for explicit lyrics, and then he dropped an album this week that will probably win Christian Album of the Year. I listened to it this week, and I'm waiting for it, and it, just, it has more theology than most Christian songs. It's called Jesus is King. I'm looking at it going, influence is changing. I sat with a man, an acquaintance of mine, that's his pastor a few years ago, and he said, hey, don't tell anybody this, but Kanye just asked me to come with him to Saturday Night Live, and he flew me on his jet. He's like, he walked into my church, and now I'm in a jet with him going to Saturday Night Live, and then after that visit, he married him and his wife, and now he's pastoring him, and I realized that the kingdom of God is not hiding. It's actually influential. Look around you today, just in this room. I started writing it down today. We're influential. In this room, we have professors at two different universities in our city. We have nurses, teachers, police officers. We have parents, the highest influencing job there is. We have producers and technicians and bus drivers and mechanics and landscapers and doctors and coaches and engineers and students and everyone in between. We have uh, every type of person, every job. We are in culture influencing it. We don't believe we should be behind our Facebook pages and Instagram pages criticizing culture. We believe God put us in it to influence it. Like a little bit of yeast, you just put a little bit in, you put a little bit of salt and it goes through the whole thing. I believe the kingdom of God, listen, do not think that we're hiding or diminishing or dying. We are actually permeating and influencing culture. Our city is better because the church is in it and the kingdom of God is influential. How do you see the kingdom of God today? I get so excited when I see, not what happens on a Sunday, though, this is awesome, but what happens on Monday. Your mission is not Sunday, it's Monday. Your job is here to get recharged and regroup and relaunch and go hit your Monday. That's why some of you, you need to skip Sundays to go be your influence on, on, uh, at your job and place of influence. Some of you are like, I've never heard a pastor say that. S- send your tithe in, but then skip church. <laughs> but some of you are called to coach in sports. Now, be faithful to the house of God. Be faithful and serve. And don't be wishy-washy and jumping around. But some of you are committed, but God's put you in places of influence. Go coach that team, sir. Ma'am, go coach that team. God's put you in a place of influence. Some of you is in the medical field or teaching field or whatever that is. God is putting us out there. This is not our mission. This building is not our mission. That is our mission. We should have a sign when you walk out the door. You're entering your mission field because we're influential. What else does it look like? Matthew 4, 23. It says, Jesus traveled throughout the region of Galilee, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. And the good news about the kingdom. The kingdom of God is good news. I don't know. Like I, could, I need to preach on this for a year because people have this backwards. He came to help, not humiliate. I was talking to someone before the service, and they're talking with somebody they know, and they're like, yeah, uh, I have this person that thinks, don't think this, these people are going to come to church. I'm like, why wouldn't they? Because they're going through something in their life, and they, they probably got some shame and stuff, and they probably got some humiliation. I'm like, that's the perfect time to come to church. Because God came to help us, not humiliate us. It's good news. It's good news. It's not bait and switch. Welcome home. You look awesome today. Come get the coffee. And then come in here and beat you with the word of God. If God wanted to condemn the world, he sent a condemner. He wanted to save the world. That's why he sent a savior. The gospel is good news. The kingdom is good news. 
that he can forgive you where you've messed up, that there's more power than you know, that you have a hope and a dream and a future. It doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done. God wants to use you and help you and launch you that there's a purpose for your life. Well, you don't know how I grew up. You don't know who my father is. You don't know my mother. You don't know my story. I don't need to know your story. It does make you. It doesn't define you. But God wants to launch you and use what the enemy meant to attack you and use it to launch you. What was meant to take you out, God will use it to help others. Some of you, your family was so jacked up, you put the D in dysfunctional. But you're the very one to lead a small group and show people how to have healthy relationships. Some of you came out of a place of, of such abuse, but you know what it's like to love somebody unconditionally and to treat people to respect. Some of you, you're dealing with depression or anxiety. You're the very people that, that lower, lower boundaries and, and lower walls against people and, and are vulnerable and people feel connected and they come in and go, I don't know about that preacher, but you have something I need. I want to encourage you. The kingdom of God is good news. Matthew 7, 21. Matthew 7, 21 says this. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of God. Uh-oh. I wish this verse wasn't there. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. I want to tell you this. kingdom of God is one of action. Not a lot of talk. Action. When I was growing up, in my junior high years, I was a skateboarder. Is Tim my skateboarder here today? Shred Dragon, are you here? He has his own skateboard channel. I was a skateboarder. Wasn't a very good one, but I was a skateboarder. Man, I remember we built this launch ramp on my street, and we'd launch every day, and there was this one kid named Steve. And Steve, what we called a poser. That was the biggest insult you could ever be called in the skateboarding world. <laughs> poser. Like, you, like you, you couldn't think of a worse word than poser. See, Steve had the best board. He had a Tony Hawk board, original edition. He had the best bearings and wheels. He had the best gear. He, had, he knew how to talk. Dude, shred it, man. That's awesome. That's gnarly. He knew how to talk at all. He had the perfect haircut, shaved on one side, hanging down. He had, he had, the, he had the flip. He had, but he would sit there all day and just go, that was awesome. That was good. And Steve, you want to try? No, no, no. I'm just watching you guys. He'd just stand there on his board. And he could kick his board up and catch it like Marty McFly. That's all he would do. He'd just stand there week after week, year after year. Steve just stood there. And we'd be going off a ramp and crashing and we'd skin our knees and we'd, we'd have elbow pads. We'd figure it out and kids were losing teeth and we were jumping and we were doing stuff and we were doing ollies and we were doing slides and tail grabs and we were doing all this stuff. And Steve just stood there. If you walked up, you'd say, Steve looks like he has the right board. He has the right gear. He talks the right language. He didn't do anything. I want to remind you that the kingdom of God is not a lot of talk. It's also action. The Bible says it's not those that just come to church on a Sunday morning. Hello. It's not just the preachers that get up on stage and talk a good game. It's not just talk. It's action. The kingdom of God is action. It's one of obedience and action. I want to remind you that God called you to a mission. He's called us to a mission. We can't stop. We won't stop. He called us to reach people. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. One of my favorite verses in all scripture. Verse 20. It says, for the kingdom of God is not a lot of talk. It's living by God's power. The kingdom of God is powerful. It's powerful. This is not a church of self-help. This is not based on how strong your willpower is. I, lo I love it when people get all excited on Instagram and they're like getting in shape. I love that. People getting their finances. I love that. I, I believe in working hard and character and discipline. But this is not self-help. This is not the gospel of 
talk shows and blogs. And it's the power of God. We believe in the power of God. It's power, not a lot of talk, it's power. We do believe God heals sicknesses. Not everyone gets healed, and I don't know why, but I still believe God heals sicknesses. He's a God that restores marriages. He's a God that can help you live pure singles, live pure and honor God with your body. He's a God that reaches nations and forgives people. It's a God of power that you may say, I don't have the willpower, but there's something more. It's called the Holy Spirit power. That God had the plan, Jesus was the plan, but the Holy Spirit helps us follow the plan. Next week we're talking about the power of God. So thankful for the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit that fills me. I'm not strong enough on my own. I'm not smart enough. I'm not connected enough. My God, this is, the kingdom of God is a lot of things, but it's not easy. It's hard. But thank God we have power beyond ourselves, beyond our willpower, beyond our self-esteem. You know what's better than willpower? God's power. We have a mission. 2 Corinthians 5.20, and I'm almost done. says this. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ. Think about that. We speak for Christ. When we plead, come back to God. I was just in New York last week, two weeks ago. I was walking by the UN. When you drive by the UN, you see flags of every nation. That in there, there are ambassadors from every nation in the United Nations representing their countries. And you know this, that wherever they stand is their country. When the ambassador from Iran or Canada or China or England walks out on the 42nd Street and starts heading towards 7th Avenue, wherever they walk is the kingdom of God. I want to remind you today, the kingdom of God and his church is not weak. We're not hiding and we're not powerless. We're a church of influence, of action, and of power. And when that, when that ambassador walks out, he turns wherever he is into the kingdom he's from. If he's from England, when he walks down 42nd Street, it's now England. If he's a Canadian ambassador and he's walking down Fifth Avenue, it's now Canada. Why? He's, wherever he goes, he's an ambassador. He represents the kingdom he's in. My friends, we don't need to be afraid to go to our high schools. We don't need to be afraid to go to our junior highs or our universities. We don't need to be worried about the gates of hell at our place of work. We don't know where I work. You don't know how bad it is. You don't know the sexual immorality, the depression, the toxic environment. No, it's there. But I believe when we walk in, the kingdom of God walks in because we are his ambassadors. And we're speaking for God. And what are we saying? We're not saying God's mad. We're not saying you don't belong in church. We're not saying you're too far gone. We're saying come back to God. It's good news. It's good news. God's mission has a church today. We're ambassadors. We don't come here to hide or shop for comfort. We gather to regroup, recharge, and relaunch back into the mission. That's why I'm excited for Mondays. Because I picture us going out, influencing, pleading people, come back to God. He has a plan for your life. He's not mad at you. He's in love with you. He's more in love with you than you ever know. There's a goodness and favor, and there's power available. Come back to God. Some of you today are frustrated because all you know is church and you're unprepared. You walk in here sometimes, you feel like you're part of something bigger and you're like, this is not what I expected. Like me in a delivery room, this, this was supposed to be just, I thought this was gonna go a certain way. I wanna remind you it's bigger than you know. It's more powerful than you've experienced. It's changing the world. Today I love that hip hop artists, drug dealers and pastors all have the same playlist. Jesus is King by Kanye West today. People say it's a PR stunt. Who knows? All I know is the gospel's being preached through every hair, headphones and every, 
AirPod. People are listening. Listen, God's kingdom is advancing. Look around. His church is growing. Why? Because God has a plan for our life. All over this place. Come on, let's stand to our feet today. We're going to sing a song. Here's the question I want you to ask yourself. Are you frustrated? I've realized that God uses frustration almost more than any other tool, any other prodding in my life. Are you frustrated with coming to church? Are you frustrated with feeling like you leave church when you leave here? Is church a place you go or is a church something you are? How you answer that will tell a lot about what you expect and what you believe with the kingdom of God. I is the church. The Bible says two or more are gathered. He is there. I walk into Starbucks. I have church in Starbucks. In my home around my kitchen table, we have church. I love it. There's an amazing guy here. He's like, Mike, we miss church. We watch. We listen to the podcast around our kitchen table. I'm like, I have in church. Why? It's not confined to a building, to songs, skinny jeans, to dark lights. It's advancing. It's powerful. Are you frustrated today? God wants to speak into your life. To do anything other than God called you to do will frustrate you. God has a mission, and he has a part for you to play in it. You're influential. You're powerful. Not a lot of talk, but action. The power of God using your life to plead with people as ambassadors. Come back to God, and miracles can happen around every water cooler, in every classroom, in every street, in every coffee shop. Why? Because the kingdom of God is on mission. Are you frustrated today? Ask God to open your mind. Invite him in. Let the kingdom of God expand in your life as we worship. Come on, let's sing together.